Luke 15, verses 11 through 32, hear the words of the Lord. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. These are God's words. You may be seated. Uh, For our kids of the appropriate ages, I believe that's three through eight. You can join Miss Alden back there for City Light Kids. And you guys are going to have an absolute blast back there. I want to say how happy I am to be here with you guys. It feels like Christmas in June. We enjoyed our time in Mexico, but we sorely missed gathering with you guys on Sunday morning. But we were there watching along with you, and we enjoyed Pastor uh, uh, Nate as he fed us from the bread of heaven. And we thank God for you, brother. I'm sure you're not watching this now because you're preaching where you are at Mount Calvary, but If you watch it later, we thank God for you. And I want to thank you guys. Uh, One of the things that we always do uh, secretly, let me give away one of Crawford and I's secrets. When we have visitors, we reach out to them and we say, hey, how did the people treat you? We asked for a report and he gave glowing reviews about you guys and how well you loved on him and his wife and how well you took care of them while they were here, how well you served them while they were here. We really, really do appreciate you guys for doing that. Um, Show the love of God. That's what we're here for. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 Luke 15 is 
Again, where we are on this morning, happy Father's Day to all of my brothers. Uh, whether you are a father or not, you are uh, uh, mentoring or loving on somebody around you. And so we just thank God for your life and all that you are doing around you and all that God is doing in you. And we hope that we can encourage your hearts on this morning. Um, there's a quote by Frederick, Frederick Douglass, excuse me, Frederick Douglass, and it says that it's easier to build strong children than it is to repair broken men. It's a quote that I see often passed around uh, social media, and it's a quote that I actually agree with. I do uh, agree that it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men, but I do also have a problem with the quote. Here's the problem that I have with this quote. We're all broken men. Life and loss and our pain and our disappointment has left us in some way and in some measure broken. And it's relatively easy to move past the, the, the moment, if you will, because time will separate you from that particular moment. But it can prove much more difficult a much more difficult path to leave the memory of that moment. And the more painful the moment, the longer the memory will stay with you and the stronger the effect of that memory will have or can have on future moments in your life. So the quote then, at least for me now, becomes a question. How do we, as broken men, move past memories and moments in our life and move towards building strong children. Luke Skywalker, for any of my Star Wars fans here, uh, in Return of the Jedi, as he's revealing to Leia that she's his sister and that there's this powerful force in her that makes her important to their battle against the Republic. I hope I got that right. He says the force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. You like that? Did you know that moments and memories and their effects can last way past your lifetime? That moments and memories and their effects can literally pass from generation to generation. Luke Skywalker demonstrates that for us in his uh, 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 comment to his sister there. Romans 5 and 12 highlights this for us, saying, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Just because of Adam, his moment scarred us all. So it's not just your moments and your memories that you have to fight with. It's the moments and memories of your father and his father before him on back to Adam. Naturally, in preparing for today, I spent some time thinking about my father. And I know you guys know Crawford and I have a lot of history together, and there are a lot of similarities between us, but when it comes to dads, there's a lot of difference between us. Now, I did have the privilege and pleasure of spending a lot of time in the Crawford household, so I've benefited from a lot of what you've heard him share about his dad. My father was a, a holy man. 
And that's H-O-L-E-Y, not H-O-L-Y. He was a man who had holes in his life. Moments that he experienced that left him scarred had an effect on everything that followed those moments, including how he raised his children. So my father was a holy man. His father was a holy man. And the collection of these holy men and whatever unresolved issues and whatever unaddressed trauma that they may have had in their lives raised me. And now as a holy man, again, H-O-L-E-Y, not H-O-L-Y, I'm wondering what wounds my son might be carrying because of the holes in my life, because of my moments, my memories, my trauma. As we look at our text this morning, we'll see three men, three holy men, a father and two sons, men who experience the kind of moments that leave scars, the kind of scars that can have long-lasting memories and the kind of memories that carry the weight to affect everything that happens after them. And as we look at these men, we'll see one who is wandering, doesn't really know what he's doing with his life. He's wandering. We'll see one who is wounded, and we'll see one who is welcoming to the wandering and the wounded. Look with me if you still have your phones open. Luke 15, beginning at verse 11, the word of the Lord reads, And he said there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. These are strong words from the younger son to his father. Father, give me, give me the share of property that is coming to me. There's no question here. This is a demand. I would have loved to have given a a, a glimpse, been a fly on the wall in the house as he made that statement to see the posture of the son as he says to the father, give me the share of property that falls to me. And then the face of the father to hear those words coming from his son. The son is asking for his inheritance. Again, I say asking, but he's really making a demand here. I'm not sure if you guys know this or not, but let me let you in on a little secret. Typically, if you inherit something, someone has died. It's literally in the definition. According to Merriam-Webster, the meaning of the word inherit is to receive from an ancestor as a right or title, descendable by the law at the ancestor's death. The son is saying to his very much alive father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. Or if you're reading from the CSV version, that's the Corey Standard Version. Father, I wish you were dead. Strong words, strong words, and I don't care how tough or how macho or how manly you feel you are to hear those words from your son has to hurt. We'll come back to the father. Let's continue to look at the son. Again, he says, give me the share. Some of you in here have investment portfolios, so you uh, have certain stock or you have stock in certain markets, rather, which means that you own a number of shares in a particular company or commodity. Your shares are allotted a value based on how well that particular, or not well right now, that particular company or commodity is doing in the market. 
The son looked at the father and saw value. He saw the house, he saw the land, he saw the livestock, he saw the servants. He knew that his father's house carried value. But what he missed was what was most valuable because his heart was wandering. He was longing for a life outside of his father's house. He wanted outside because as long as he was inside, there was an expectation to live life according to the Father's rules. You know the saying, whether you heard it coming up or whether you've said it as a parent, as long as you live under my roof, you follow my rules. And not only does he have the expectation to live according to the Father's rules, but he's also subject to the Father's rebuke if and when he doesn't follow those rules or if and when those rules are violated. So desiring something different, he comes to the father and again says, Father, give me my share. Maybe he was hoping for a ticket to Easy Street, but what he found was something completely different. His his wandering heart led him to believe that the only way he could find fulfillment was by leaving the rules and rebuke of his father's house. But in the Father's house, family is so much more than rules and rebuke. In the Father's house is protection and provision. And these benefits you reap freely from as long as you are in the Father's house. But to be outside of the Father's house is to also be outside of his protection and provision and to be subject to whatever may come as a result of your wandering. For this, we see those consequences. Rather, for this son, we see those consequences in the next few verses. Look with me at verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country when he, excuse me, who sent him into fields to feed pigs. This is a Jewish little boy. And when he was longing to be fed with the paws that the pigs ate, and no one gave to him. Not when he, excuse me, and he was longing. Rules help us to manage ourselves and our resources. You get that? As Crawford would say, are you tracking with me? Rules help us manage ourselves and our resources. And that's a good thing. But taking this journey into the far country, the younger son is far away again from the father, far away from the father's rules. And soon, because of the choices that he's made, because of his wandering heart, he also finds himself far away from his resources. The inheritance that he so boldly demanded was gone. Scripture says, there in the far country, the place his wandering heart led him to, he squandered his property. He failed to manage his resources because he failed to manage himself. He's outside of the father's house. He squandered his property in reckless living. It tells us specifically in reckless living. And brothers, 
I want to challenge you this morning to examine yourself. I did a lot of a, a lot of soul searching preparing for this message. As I've shared with you times before, there have been a number of times where I stood before you and I said, man, I am unqualified to teach on this subject. This was one of those things I felt wholly unqualified for. Because I feel that God kind of, uh, you've seen a quilt, right? It's different pieces of material put together. That's how I feel my father figure was. It was some of Pastor Crawford and some of Pastor Duncan and some of this brother, some of that brother. Rabbit hole. Have you lived recklessly? Have you been reckless? Have you failed to manage yourself or your resources? He squandered his property. And as the saying goes, when it rains, it pours. So not only is he out of money, when he had spent everything, Scripture says a famine arose. But here is, 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 is kind of a good thing for him because it's the beginning of a turning point for him. So the famine is actually a blessing in disguise. When he had no more means to do for himself, he had little choice but to turn to the place where he knew he could find provision. Sometimes God uses hardship to turn our hearts back to him. We see it over and over again throughout Scripture. Watch this. Six beautiful words at the end of verse 14. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. Brothers, need is a good thing. Need is a good thing. Need is a good thing. Need demonstrates our insufficiency. Need tells us that we have to look outside of ourselves to feel whatever it is that is lacking among us or in us. And that's what the son does. Verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. He sees his need, which is a good thing. But what's the problem? Why do things still continue to seem to get worse for him instead of better? He saw the need. All his money was gone. He was hungry. Nobody gave him anything. But instead of going back to the father's house, he hired himself out. So he sees the need, but he's still looking to fulfill the need in the far country. There's a song, very popular in the 80s. It says, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many places. He's still following his wandering heart. He sees the need, but again, he's looking to the far country to fulfill a need. You can't fulfill the kind of need that he has in the far country. The kind of need that he has can only be filled in the house of the Father. And this is where his heart, excuse me, this is where his heart now turns. But watch how it unfolds and tell me if you see still yet another problem. 
But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's servants have more than enough bread, but I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. You see the problem? This is the result of trauma. This is what brokenness looks like. Although his heart now turns back to the father, the memory of his moments won't allow him to go back as a son. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. The relationship he ran so far away from is now the relationship he no longer feels worthy of because of his wandering, because of his moments. If you're here this morning and you feel as if you've been wandering, maybe you've been desiring something different than what you had. Maybe you felt as if life in a far country would be better than the life that you live right now. Maybe you've actually gone into the far country and you realize that it wasn't all that you hoped it would be. And like the younger son, your hardship has now turned your heart back towards the father and you're trying to find your way home, but you're unsure as to whether or not you'll be received. I want you to pay close attention to the next few verses because this is the point of not just the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, but it's also the point of the two parables that preceded it, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin and highlights for us just how deep the Father's love for us. The song says, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. I love that song. The Father is welcoming to the wandering. Look with me at verse 20. And when he arose and came to his father, uh, excuse me, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. While the father, excuse me, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and he ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died, demonstrating his love for us in this way, still bearing the evidence of life in a far country. Still broken, still wearing the shame of our wandering, the Father receives us. Matthew chapter 8 shares the story of a a leper who comes to Jesus and says in verse 2, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. If you recall some time ago, Crawford shared the results of touching a leper. And I want us to take note, excuse me. I want us to take note as well of the father's response to the son because we get so caught up in trying to get ourselves together 
when we know we've been in a far country, far away from God's rule and rebuke, far away from God's protection and provision, but God is simply waiting on us to turn to him. Verse 3 of Matthew 8 says this, And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Before he said, I will, before the leprosy was cleansed, Jesus touched him. And again, we've heard texts from the Old Testament. We know what it would have meant for Jesus to touch him as a leper. Jesus himself would now be considered unclean. But there's something about the touch of the Father. In touching the leper before addressing his outside, he was ministering to things that were still broken on the inside. I don't imagine the younger son in deciding to come home stopped for a shower and a shave before getting on the road home. But the moment the father saw him, the scripture tells us that he ran to him, he embraced him, he kissed him. The father is ministering to things that are broken on the inside. Too often we lack grace for ourselves and for others because we're caught up on what we see. But the Father looks deeper. We need to look deeper. There's an old song that says, look beyond my faults, and he saw my needs. We need to see brokenness around us with the eyes of the Father. So the younger son goes into his prepared speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But before he could finish, the father interjects and he calls for the servants. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us celebrate. Romans 8 8 tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of the spirit of sin and death. When the heart of the younger son turned from wandering to repentance, he didn't find condemnation. He found covering. Bring the best robe and put it on him. When the heart of the younger son turned from wandering to repentance, he didn't find ridicule. He found identity. Put a ring on his finger. When his heart turned from wandering to repentance, he didn't find people who were quick to remind him of what he'd lost. He found a father who reminded him that he still had a place in the family and that his place is to be celebrated. Put shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The father is welcoming to the wandering. Are we welcoming, family? Are you welcoming to the wandering? Whether it's somebody you know, whether it's your son, your daughter, that has found themselves in the far country, how are you receiving them? Are you receiving them with care and compassion? Or are we receiving them with condemnation? Finally, let us look towards the second son, the elder son. Verse 25. 
Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound, but he was angry and refused to go in. This kind of brokenness of all three men is the most dangerous. His heart is very much a picture of the Pharisees and scribes that we see in the first verses of chapter 15. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him, him being Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Family, this is the very reason why he came. But this, the older son, this is a man who is always right and others are always wrong. This is a man who can't acknowledge his own faults and won't accept when others are forgiven of their faults. He hears the sounds of celebration and inquires about the reason for it. And upon learning that this party was for the pardoning of a particular person, his own brother, the same one, who split the family, who squandered the family's resources in a far country, far away from the family and living in a way that doesn't reflect the family. The elder son becomes so angry, so hard-hearted that he won't even go in the house. He won't be merry over his brother's moments. He won't look past the way his brother had chosen to live. He won't give after his brother's season of suffering, excuse me, he won't give thanks rather that after his season of suffering, the Lord has delivered him home safe. Not when all this time he, the elder son, has served the father seemingly so faithfully. Not when his service has seemed to go overlooked and underappreciated. He says in verse 29, look, all these many years I have served you. Never disobeyed your command. You believe that? Yet you never even gave me a young goat. Forget about the fatted calf. You ain't even give me a goat, man. But I might celebrate with my friends, but when this your son, or rather this son of yours, You see that? Not my brother. This son of yours shows you where his heart is. Who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You kill the cat and calf for him? Brothers, can we rejoice with rejects? Can we? Can you give praise when prodigals around you are preserved rather than punished? Can you love those who are choosing reckless lives over living for the Lord? Because it is my sincere hope this morning that our answer is yes. Because this is what fathers are called to do. Yes, we see the youngest son who left the family for the far country for what he thought was fun. But we also see as he returns from the far country to go back to the father that the father is present. He's there, he's waiting, not to condemn his son, but to receive him. He's there to restore him. He's there to remind him that he is indeed a son. 
Yes, we see the eldest son whose stubbornness and pride and hardness of heart causes him to reject his brother and to refuse to rejoice with his father and his joy at the return of his younger son. But even in the oldest son's hardness of heart, guess what? The father is present. In verse 28, scripture tells us that the father goes out to him. The father entreats him. Entreat is to beg. He's begging him. Come in, rejoice. Not in your, father, not in your, your brother's choice of reckless living, but in God's grace and mercy that he saw fit to bring your brother from death to life, from being lost to being found. This is why we rejoice with one another, brothers. This is why I rejoice with you today. Because even though in different times and in different ways we have rejected him, we've gone into the far country ourselves, far away from God's protection and provision, and we have lived recklessly, God remains faithful. That even when our hearts are hardened and we find ourselves stuck or struggling in pride, the Father is still present. One final word of encouragement. And I acknowledge that this call to cover and to entreat and to forgive and to remind and to restore is not an easy one. His father has been rejected by both of his sons. Both of them. I know at least for me in times past, you know, when I've listened to the prodigal son or read the prodigal son, I look at the first one, I say, man, this dude is jacked. I've really not paid any attention to the older son. But he's been rejected by both of his sons. One who essentially told him to drop dead left the house to go do whatever it is that he wanted to do. He rejected his father's protection and provision. And you have the other son who refused to come into the house because he felt his brother was unworthy of the attention he received after living so recklessly. He rejected his father's love and grace, not just for the younger son in receiving him back, but for him as well, for coming out to entreat him, come into the house. Don't remain outside of the house. Come into the house. These moments in the life of a father carry the ability to create holes. Brothers, as you are fathering and ministering to the brokenness around you, your heavenly father is not blind to the fact that you are doing so through the holes in your own life. Sisters, as you're mothering and ministering to those around you, to brokenness around you, your heavenly Father is not blind to the fact that you are doing so through the holes in your own life. He knows your moments. He sees your scars. He shares in your memories in every measure of suffering. Those moments might have caused you but as the father is with the sons in our text this morning, your heavenly father is present with you. He is present and he is calling you even through your own brokenness to receive those who are broken around you. To cover them with the same love and grace that the father has for his two sons in our text. Because that's the same love and grace that he has given you 
So to our question in closing, how do we, as broken men, move past moments and memories and move towards building stronger children? And not just stronger children, stronger wives, stronger husbands, stronger marriages, stronger families, communities, churches, and so on and so forth. We cling to the love and grace that God has poured out on us. By the Father who loves us. The Father who demonstrated that love for us while we were yet sinners. By sending his son, his only son, to die on a cross for our sins. That we might be covered rather than condemned. That we might be reminded of our sonship rather than reminded of our failures. We cling to the fact that we will join him in the great supper, the marriage feast of the Lamb. Where we will celebrate life eternally with him who died to raise sinners like us from death to life. Cling to that hope, brothers. And love hard on those around you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. 